spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascent Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom notices. Hey, what is up everyone? I hope you're all doing well and feeling well. We're feeling good in the UK at the minute. It is very hot and very nice weather. So I hope it's nice where you are. But anyway, this week on the Ascend podcast, we're joined by Todd Akamesis. And this is actually Todd's third time on the podcast. He is a self-taught astral traveler and native experience researcher. And Todd has been exploring consciousness through altered and expanded states of awareness for more than two decades now. And I'm not sure if you remember, but the last time that Todd was actually on the podcast, which is definitely one of my favorite podcasts that we've ever done on here, we talked about his synchronicity hitchhiking adventures, where he's basically rolling dices and holding up signs at the side of a road, signs saying abduct me, and basically letting the roll of the the dice decide whereabouts in the world he travels to, which is really fascinating. So definitely check that out if you haven't already listened to that. And in this podcast, which is also another awesome podcast, we slightly touched again on synchronicity, where Todd goes into and talks about some of his latest adventures where he actually did a synchronicity hitchhike, a synchronicity walk, sorry, and he dove into a dumpster and he found a very interesting message in there, which we talk about in this podcast. We talk about choosing love over fear, relationships, spiritual eyes versus the fear mind. We even talked about the masculine versus the feminine and so much more. And as you know, now we've been doing this podcast for a while now and it may just look like fun and games just recording a podcast and putting it up but honestly it is a lot of hard work and if we can just get a bit more freedom i.e. being more financial backing from you guys we can really take this to another level and we're never going to make people pay for these podcasts and we believe in making all this information available and free to everyone but all we're saying is is that if people can pay for netflix or whatever every month if and if you have got some some spare nickels to throw away towards the podcast throw in the direction of the podcast it really would be really appreciated and it helps us keep this podcast going and just gives us a bit more support when we are traveling around and trying to bring you the best in-person conversations that we can And just in general, if this podcast is an important part of your consciousness and week and you're getting some value or entertainment or whatever, it would really be appreciated if you could sign up to our Patreon page. And we also as well have quite a cool little Patreon subscribers community going now in the Facebook group and would love to all see you there as well when you become a Patreon. So anyway, enjoy this conversation. Peace out. Before we came here again, uh, came to here today, um, me and Chris were watching your synchronicity uh, dumpster diving thing you did. <laughs> and obviously last time when we were on the podcast as well, we don't need to, obviously if anyone wants to listen back to that and understand what actually synchronicity is, they can listen back to that episode, which was about <laughs> five or six episodes ago. But um, we'll dive straight in because me and Chris were fascinated by the, yeah. the synchronicity dumpster diving thing you did. <laughs> so could you just like explain that for the story behind it and what went on? Because I thought it was really fascinating. Well... I think it's it's one of these things that you really have to start to to feel really deeply feel, and a lot of times when I'm doing the synchronicity walks, I do wonder if people think that I'm just reading into things too yeah. much, but it's just that I've got to a point to where I can really feel the energy building around something, and I know that if I don't trust myself, if I don't trust what I'm feeling, then I'm going to miss synchronizing myself with an experience. So it's just letting go yeah. of, of that fear 
that, you know, this might make me look goofy <laughs> or, you know, uh, but I think that's part of it. The, I call it, you know, and it's, it's something that's a well-known phenomenon. It's that um, trickster aspect of synchronicity. It's where it catches you in those moments where you've taken yourself a little bit too seriously and you're now standing there with like cosmic egg on your face. And it's, <laughs> it's just like, look, you took yourself a little bit too seriously and now that happened instead of, you know, the good thing you were hoping for. So I really have learned to trust these instincts. So when I have an instinct, like on that the synchronicity walk where I suddenly felt we went into an alleyway and people were resistant going into the alleyway. They wanted to go around, you know, to keep going straight. And yet the dice basically told us to go in. And I stopped him. I said, no, it looks like a dead end, but that's only on the surface. And one woman kind of rushed ahead into the alleyway, got to the end of it, looked around in the alley and sort of went like this as we were walking towards her and, you know, you know, making this motion that there's nothing here. And and I said, ignore that in my head. <laughs> and I got down to the end and I, there were a couple doors there and I checked the doors and they were locked. And then I went over to the bin and I said, look, just because it looks like a, a dead end doesn't mean it is. And I poked my head in and everybody started <laughs> laughing because they still, and it was kind of like a nervous laughter. What's Todd going to do next? And I looked in the bin and there were literally, there was a coaster like you would find in a, in a pub where you put your, your drink on. And sometimes they have little messages and it had a it had a, a really nice message on it. I can't remember what it was, but it had a message. There was something meaningful. Oh, what did it say again? I seen it. What did it yeah. say? Yeah. It, 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 well. it was something about, you know, being at the office party and talking to the CEO and not regretting it the next day. And I think, you know, it caused me to jump into the bin because I wanted to retrieve that and show people that, you know, having that lightheartedness is important and not taking myself too seriously. And then... As we were walking away from the bin, somebody else spotted another message in the bin. Yeah. And the other message was something along the lines of learn how to, to do anything, you know, with, I can't, I, I can't quite remember what it was, yeah, it was but it, was, message, though, it, it was perfect for what I just did. I was basically, you know, that's what teachers do. They, they, show, they do, show by doing. And that message was like almost confirmation of that. And, and I think people really got something from that. But what it also did was... If we got down to the end of the, of the alleyway and we got to the dead end and we just came back out again, it wouldn't have synchronized us with what was going to happen next. Yeah. When I got to the dumpster, I actually, it wasn't just the message because I, could, I read the message from, you know, up without jumping in. But something compelled me to, to not just trust my instinct, but to take immediate action. And the immediate action I was being shown was to dive in. Mm. So I dove in, retrieved the message. And it kept us in that spot long enough to perfectly synchronize with what was going to happen next. We then rolled the dice, and it was follow the white rabbit. And that basically means follow a stranger for a few minutes, not, you know, like on top of them where they know we're following them, you know, at a safe enough distance behind to where we're not in their space. And then we just let them sort of, wherever they're going, we follow without resistance uh, because it's, it's like being the consciousness of water. You're not water doesn't resist flowing it will flow around things over things under things and if you're the same way when you can literally just be like that and without that resistance you can experience stuff that's already there which you might miss otherwise so literally roll the dice and follow the white rabbit and i said okay the next person that passes and keep in mind we're in an alleyway a dead end on a back street, what was yet another back street to a back street. Yeah. <laughs> so there was nobody. The whole time we were in the alleyway, nobody had walked by. And the moment we rolled the dice and it came up, follow the white rabbit, there was six possible outcomes, but it rolled the one, follow the white rabbit. And the moment I said, okay, the next person that walks by will follow. And the moment I said that, somebody walked by. And the guy was carrying a bin bag, a white bin bag. <laughs> okay, now, think, I just got yeah. done jumping in a, in a dumpster, you know, a, a, a yeah. dustbin. All right. And now there's a connection here. This guy, the first person that walked by after we rolled those dice, carrying a bin bag. And when we got around the corner to get him in our sights again, the angle of the bag and the way he was holding it, it looked like he had a white rabbit by the neck and his two ears. You know, like when you tie off a, a, yeah, yeah. a bin bag and it's got like, uh, like it has ears. It, and because it was a white bin bag, that's how it, it literally was like a pattern an, or, an orderly pattern forming out of chaos. 
And the whole night we were doing things like, you know, going down the rabbit hole. And it just manifested that way because I trusted enough, my instinct took immediate action and it literally synchronized us with that special moment in time. But if I wouldn't have trusted jumping in the, in the bin, we'd have already left that alleyway a few minutes before he appeared. Yeah, like that. Do you know, you know when you, I love that by the way, do you know when you were standing as well at the beginning of the, uh, the, where you first started and you always explain the synchronicity walk, what, what the sort of, what we're going to do and things like that. And there was an aspect of, I think when you dropped the papers, can you remember that? Yeah, I did. I thought that was, I watched that and I said to Chris, that would have been a symbol for as, as, as synchronicity for me to go left. Yeah. And I was thinking, what, I, did, you, did you notice that or not? What I, th- I picked up was that the universe, because I was fretting when I created those notes, uh. I, there was a bit of conflict. The conflict was, part of me was saying, you don't need these notes. Yeah. And twice the notes tried to blow away. So for me, what I was getting was that the, the universe was saying, forget the notes and just let this come from your heart. Ah, that's brilliant. But that's, that's another interpretation. You could literally say that that could have been the first direction it wanted us to go. Yeah, because things like the wind can definitely be part of you know, you know, the, the signal to say, okay, this is the direction. That's what I mean. I think I think if you were doing it, Dan, that would have been your, that would have been the universe's way to tell you. Yeah. But that happened for a specific reason for Todd. To to um, show him that yeah, the notes aren't necessary. But would would the group dynamics as well change that? Because that's, see, if that's I was exactly there and I, I was said thinking. and I said, oh, oh I, I think we need to go left now. But someone was saying, oh no, I think that was just a sign that the universe wanted to blow them away. <laughs> <laughs> if you watch my synchronicity walks enough online you'll notice, like even with this last one we were just talking about, um, we just rolled the dice and the woman rolled the dice before I asked her to roll the dice because we usually choose which way is forward first and then we roll the dice because sometimes it says go left, go right, go forward. And we don't really want that too much of a confusion. You might think, well, the confusion is fine too. But so I didn't say, okay, look, let's nominate this as being forward. She just rolled them. And then people were like, oh, we can roll them again. And I was just like, no, 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 no. You have to, I mean, sometimes I'm literally, because I'm feeling it so strongly, yeah. I have to be the one that actually takes the lead in these moments. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, if you give people too much choice on these walks, they'll get in their own way. So it's feeling into things. Like even the white rabbit, I say to people, look, when we roll that particular dice and it says follow the white rabbit, we're not, we're not supposed to choose the first person we see in most yeah. cases. It's, it's really allowing it to develop organically and then suddenly you'll know like where there was one synchronicity walk where we were in Soho and there was this guy standing around with this bright yellow umbrella that said free healing (laughs) and you basically walk under the umbrella with him it wasn't raining you just walk under the umbrella and you're in his vortex basically and you and he does some healing work and so we're stopping chatting with him and we'd already had this yellow theme start to develop we rolled the dice it said follow the white rabbit and as we're standing there with this guy under the umbrella there's about 20 of us huddled around this guy this guy walks by with a yellow wig on a man with a yellow wig and <laughs> donald trump oh, yeah donald trump <laughs> <laughs> and literally that instantly was the white rabbit because there was it was just the perfection of it the synchronicity of it yellow was developing as a theme and so we followed him and it wound up, you know, being a, a powerful experience. You know, we literally followed this guy straight into a brothel. He had no, <laughs> ah, he yes. had no idea we were behind him. We were in Soho, but he had no idea we were behind him. He, he literally buzzed on this door. Somebody let him in. And as he's gone in the door, my foot sort of, I don't know how it happened. My foot just, you know, got in between the door closing. <laughs> and, and we all went in. And we're, we're going up these stairs and we get to the top and we're sort of in the stairwell looking at him buzzing on the door, the girl comes to open the door and she sees us. Yeah. He didn't notice us. And she's like, you know, oh, taking a bit aback because there's all these people there. And the guy finally looks around and he's like, oh, you know, what are you doing here? And I explained we were on the synchronicity walk and he literally turned to the girl and he said, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to go with them. And he literally changed his mind about going in, you know, to the brothel and following us instead. Wow. And it changed, it w- literally would have changed something about him because he then got to, ex- he was in our vortex. He was in that vortex of synchronicity. It had meaning to it. And there would have been something that shifted in him. And we don't know what, just like the same for everybody who goes on these walks. You don't know what's going to shift for them. Yeah. 
and it can be very personal for them. You just don't know what it's going to be. So yeah. it's, it's a matter of just letting things develop organically so the power, the rawness of it can, can create the shift without yeah. any force. I was just thinking that. Do you, does everybody um, get a message or like um, some sort of like connection from, this, from, the, um, from the walk? If you're open to it, then yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're not reading into it too much, if you really, it, I mean, it can be so simple. Like when I say to people, when we roll the dice at the beginning to get our group number, uh, let's say we roll, you know, the number eight, then let's say, you know, as a group, whenever the number appears organically, we follow it. It's like a breadcrumb trail. And it can happen for individuals too. I find sometimes people will set their own intention at the beginning of the walk. And I ask them to do that sometimes, set your own intention. And they can then, you know, we can go into an alleyway, you know, they would never go into on their own. Yeah. And we go in there and on the wall is maybe a message, an answer to a question they had at the beginning of the walk. And maybe it was them that actually, as we're walking by the alleyway, they might speak up and say, I have a powerful feeling we should go down in the alleyway. And if they learn to trust that inner guidance, they'll, you know, these messages will reveal themselves, but that's just it. It's really learning to trust that we are being guided by, you know, synchronicity and synchronicity in particular it's like there's a law the law of synchronicity yeah. is it brings around brings about an orderly effect when you know in in reality there doesn't seem to be a causal relationship but that's the whole nature of synchronicity it's a causal it's beyond it's operating beyond time and space and cause and effect as we can yeah. be aware mm -hmm. of it but it doesn't mean that there's not a message to it. That's the difference between coincidence and synchronicity. And if you really want to see the meaning in something, you don't have to read into it. It will appear. Let's say, as an example, let's say you're in Ikea and you're with your partner and you're choosing wallpaper. You know, it might seem something, you know, that's really mundane. But let's say you're really fretting over one particular wallpaper. And then you go, okay, well, why don't we go home? We'll, we'll sleep on it and we'll come back tomorrow. And maybe on the way home, they go in for Chinese and they walk into the, the store and one of the wallpapers is on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, that's synchronicity. But let's, you know, the flip side is, let's say you already have that wallpaper in your home and you just go down to the local, you know, Chinese <laughs> and they have that wallpaper. That's just a coincidence. There's, there wasn't any meaning yeah. there whatsoever. So it's immediate, you know, feeling that there's meaning to this. There's a message here for me. It's like... Um... Like the Anthony Hopkins and the, uh, the book. Have you heard that one? No. Well, Anthony Hopkins, he, um, he was searching for a part he was in this film. I can't remember the, the name of the, uh, the film, but it was based on a book. And he searched all over London for this book, and he couldn't find it. He checked all the bookstores, even the rare, rare bookstores. And then all of a sudden, he's walking through the park, and he sees a book, which was left on the... Um, park bench. Park bench. It? He picks it up and it's actually that book. <laughs> and what's and what's even more weird was he accepted the part and he was talking to the author on the set and he says, uh, and she said, and they were talking about the book and she says, Oh, I don't I, the funny thing is I actually don't have any uh, a copy no more. The copy I gave was to a friend of mine in London and it had all me um me notes in it. And then Anthony Hopkins pulls it out and went, Is it this one? And it had all the her notes in it. Oh, that's just incredible. Is that a synchronicity? That is synchronicity through and through. I thought and it would be. When it strikes to that level, the universe, I think, is really asking you to get very present because there's literally someone or something. That's synchronicity. It connects everyone and everything across all levels of reality. And that's a perfect illustration of how it literally does yeah. just that. Everything being the, you know, thing being the book, you know, the people involved, you know, it's just that's perfection. That's that's synchronicity to a T. I remember mm. years ago I went out, bought a book, and it's amazing how books can be a very powerful tool of synchronicity. Went out, bought this book that, you know, I've really wanted to read, and then it wound up sitting on my bookshelf for like three years. And then one night I was going to a party. Um, I only knew one person there, but I was invited down. It was, you know, a bunch of spiritual people, and I thought, okay, it's a couple hours on the train. It was a couple hours on the train, and I thought, I might as well take a book. So I literally grabbed that book out of my whole bookshelf, um, and there was plenty of other books I could have read, put it in my, in my backpack, did not read it on the way down, 
wound up getting distracted and just doing other stuff, got there, and I got sat next to somebody at the dinner table, started talking to him, and he goes, oh, you know, I've authored this book, blah, 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 and I, and I looked at him, I said, you're the author of what book? And I literally pulled out my backpack, pulled out this book, and it was his book. Oh, wow. And, you know, everything was just perfect synchronization. And him and I be, wound up becoming really good friends. And he, he literally wound up writing a, a book based on a lot of the stuff that we were talking about. And it just sh showed both of us that we were meant to meet. And synchronicity was literally the facilitator of us meeting. And it wasn't just because I'm sitting next to him at a table. The you know, that's powerful enough. But what was more powerful was that connection that I had his book that was sitting on my shelf for three years. And I took it with me that night. That, that just made it that much more significant, more meaning to crazy. it. That's so. beautiful. You know, you know, before as well, when you were talking about the, um, the trickster aspect of synchronicity, um, why, why do you think it does that? Do you think it does that just to, to sort of give us a, 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 a guidance or something like that? I think it's like love. Yeah. Love, when we're really ready to heal, love brings up everything unlike itself. Mm. Not for the purpose to make you upset, piss you off. Yeah. But if you don't see the stuff that's blocking you from financial manifesting, you know, good finances, from manifesting a relationship, then that stuff will continue to get in, get in your way. Mm. So I think a lot of times, you know, these trickster aspects of uh, consciousness are showing us, okay, look, this is something you need to see. I'm trying to show you this with a little bit of humor, you know, be lighthearted about it. Lightheartedness, there's, there's a real power there in, in learning to, to be able to see something about yourself and not, you know, get drawn back into it in a dark way, but to see it. And that's what humor do, does. Humor can cut through the darkness. Yeah. It can, it literally, if you, you, you see a lot of musicians using humor to cut through the, the collective darkness of a, yeah. of a society. Mm, I think you know, it's it sort of it, um, it shoots through your own psyche as well. So you have like a comedian use spreads truth through humor. For sure, it sort of it's, it seeds it a lot better in your mind. Absolutely, and if you can really get what's happening there, it's again the universe is almost it's like a cosmic wink mm -hmm. from the universe. It's just saying, look, you know, lighten up a little bit, yeah. laugh about the situation, and what typically happens when you smile when a moment ago you were being a little bit miserable and then suddenly yeah. you smile. You're changing your frequency. Yeah, biochemically. Yeah, well, you everything changing. you know about the body is changing, but also the you know and and the nervous system. All of this switch suddenly allows you to start seeing life a little bit differently. It's just like with breath work and meditation. What happens when we actually meditate um, and we're going deeper? We're altering our brain waves. With breath work, we're altering our brain waves, and there's a switch taking place with the nervous system. It's going from this sensory-based input where you're, a, you're very aware of the information evidenced by the five senses to an intention-based output yeah. where you literally start to become aware of the, you know, the, the, the intuitive um, uh, senses, you know, telepathic senses, aware of energy. And you can then start to feel that connected, connective web of energy that exists between everyone and everything. And it makes a huge difference. So I think, you know, in those moments, it's learning, okay, stop, laugh about the situation, don't take it too serious, center myself, and really focus, what does the universe want me to see here? What is it, what is it saying? It's saying, do I need to look at this? You know, it's just like I was saying about love. love you know, brings up everything unlike itself when we're doing healing work. How many times have you maybe said, okay, I really want to change this. Yeah. I really want my life to go in this direction and things to get better, but suddenly things get worse before yeah, they get yeah, better. Yeah. It's only because the universe is saying, if you really want to show up and you really want to go that direction, you need to clear this stuff first because the thing that determines the direction of our life more than anything else are the things that we leave undone. Yeah, mm -hmm. I like that. They continue to get in our way. Yeah, really interesting. That here's an interesting question as well. I mean, have you ever went against the roll of the dice when you've done a synchronicity walk? Oh yeah, we talked about this the last I time with the guy remember. that picked me up in the car. Remember, he literally he picked me up in Wales, and 
I was supposed to be out hitchhiking for two weeks. And you came back to see Scott. Yeah, he yeah. literally, he was driving three hours to be 10, literally to the same um, town in Bedford yeah. to where my partner Sky and I were living. And I, I was going away on a hitchhiking trip for two weeks. And literally, she was texting me every few hours. I hope synchronicity brings you back to me very, you know, very soon. Yeah. And it was the very next day. I get, you know, it was five hours between lifts. And it never takes me that long to get a ride. Yeah. But I mean, I know, I know you did that. But I mean, have you ever like said? Because obviously the dice took you back as well, so it yes. changed the game. But I mean, have you rolled the see dice? I uh, see yeah. it rolls right, and you go right. Left, so you go there was an instead. instance here in London recently on a synchronicity walk where we 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 were walking past um, this alleyway, and I always say to people, one of the guidelines is during one of these walks, uh, every time we get to a street corner where there's more than one way to go, we stop. We roll the dice and always let the dice decide. Otherwise, we're controlling things, mm. even if it's an alleyway. And we're like, part of us really doesn't want to go down there. So we're walking past where there's this alleyway. Um, it was a through area, but it was a small alleyway. And I, in my mind, I knew where it led because I'd done so many synchronicity walks. And part of me was like, well, just keep going straight. And then suddenly there was a sign on the other side of the road that said um, uh, something about, you know, going deeper into reality. And I knew what it was saying was, have to follow the instinct so we did roll the we got back to that street corner rolled the dice and it led us into the alleyway we got into the alleyway and we got to this there was some residential houses and on one of the doors there was a post-it note it said um uh knock um doorbell out of order please knock mm. obviously that wasn't personal instructions yeah, yeah, yeah. for us <laughs> but that's how i took it so you know it was inviting us to knock and i love to tempt fate during these walks so i gathered everybody around the door and i said okay we're going to roll the dice. If the dice says, if it comes up an even number, that's a yes, knock on the door. Yeah. If it comes up odd number, then it means no, not to knock on the door. We rolled and it came up no. And it was like, I'm going to knock anyhow. I'm going to attempt fate. <laughs> and so I knocked on the door. And within a second of knocking, this woman creaks open the door. And she goes, yes. <laughs> you know, this really kind of dramatic way. And I said, um, you basically just heard everything I said, didn't you? You know, I, you were standing behind that door. And she goes, yes. <laughs> and and um, I said, um, well, we're on the synchronicity walk. We're rolling these dice. You know, the, one of them is a white rabbit, you know, led us down this direction. And she said, I've actually got a rabbit, a live rabbit, running around the living room right now. And it's that kind of stuff. It's like the, the dice came up saying no. But in my heart, I could still feel it. It was one of those moments where... You know, it, the universe wants us to take charge. Yeah. The universe wants us to, to take an action and trust ourselves yeah. instead of always, because how many times have you asked for a sign, you get the sign and you're like, okay, how about a sign for the sign? You know, it's yeah. just like the universe wants you to take responsibility. Exactly. I think, the, I think that's complete, um, uh, the best example like, of really taking ownership is when you stop putting something into the hands of something else and you go in with what you truly feel is necessary in your heart if you feel like there really is something telling us to go left and it doesn't matter what you throw or if you throw the right rabbit and, or if how many other people are feeling a different sort of connection to you and if you really feel that then that is the journey for you that's the, your must go to journey i think when we get to a point of really accepting personal responsibility for our experiences of life this is when we start to experience true freedom. Mm. And that is when, you know, we get to start expressing who and what we really are in a way where it's not hurting ourselves or other people. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's literally responsibility is, guided, is being guided from a place of self-love. And whereas a lot of times, you know, we feel so lost. We don't know what to do. We're typically, we're just doing things. Um, sometimes it's almost like license. We're literally, we're doing stuff whether it hurts us or other people and we're not even really thinking about yeah. it because mm -hmm. it's a lack of responsibility. And that lack of responsibility is literally that's being driven by self-hate. And I think when you really start to understand how this stuff works, the things that we are leaving undone within ourselves, when we really realize that, oh, wait a second, I am hurting other people. It, it, is that because I'm making bad choices? Or in most cases, it's because we have no self-control around choice. Mm -hmm. And that, again, that's being, that's being driven by, you know, by that self-hate. Sometimes it masquerades itself as self-love. And I think when you really understand the difference, it increases the quality of your, your experiences. And it sets you free. 
it really genuinely sets you free. It's like the choice I'm about to make, let me really think about this. Because usually it's the, the lack of self-control around choice is what, you know, a lot of us, why we feel we don't have any choice at all is because we don't give ourselves enough of a, of a moment to contemplate, you know, the consequences of the choices we're going to make. So it's, it's really getting to that point of thinking, I want to feel free, I want to be free, but there's responsibility that goes with freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's like a real deep responsibility that goes with it. Otherwise, it's just pure license. We're, we're just doing stuff and we're not realizing in a lot of cases that we're hurting ourselves or other people mm-hmm. because there is literally a, lo- a lack of self-control around choice. There is no choice in, in effect because we're reacting and responding so quickly we don't see that there was a choice. And that's the lack of self-control. I always felt like um, the, the taste of freedom, uh, I keep getting momentary bouts of freedom in my life. And I always feel that these, these momentary bouts of freedom where basically the whole world's my oyster in a sense. And I feel that in that moment and it gives you an opportunity to um, explore that. And, it, and in that moment, I, I always believe it's the universe testing you if you're ready for the ultimate taste of freedom. And uh, every time I've had that, that's <laughs> real sense of freedom. I've always blown it. I've always like goofed off or something like that, and always like, ah, you know, what? I really should have hammered on that project tonight instead of just goofing off and hanging out with me friends or something like that. I really should have. That project could have been done, and I could have been out there helping somebody's like mind now, or that could have changed their lives. Instead, I've just hung out with me friends and went to the cinema. Yeah, and I was thinking. That's an, that's the universe that's given me that test there of that true f- sense of freedom. And what did I do with that sense of freedom? I showed immaturity. Yeah, no offense, though. It might not be immaturity. It might just be like the expression of, of wanting to spend time with my friends. Though, uh, maybe but it's, it's, it's getting to that point of realizing, though, that sometimes it is a matter of making certain things a priority. Mm-hmm. And it is usually the test you're referring to is like a fear test. Mm. You know, am I ready to prioritize love over fear? Sure, you know, it's great hanging out with friends, but is the universe asking you to take responsibility for something? Mm-hmm. And in taking that responsibility, yes, there is more freedom that comes from making that choice. Maybe you're being asked to clear some energy in some way just by clearing a task, you know, that then opens up, you know, some opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a, it is a fear test. And in most cases, it's not a test to see if we're going to fail. But yeah, are we ready to proceed to another another level of of reality? Yeah, I you think they're all universal tests from the universe to actually show you if you are really ready to um, to acknowledge the choices that you're making. And I've always found that the more there's times when I do get a sense of freedom and I do act upon them in a positive light, where I do get that in the tasks done. And so the universe will reward me with um, with a sense of accomplishment. And whereas if I went to the pictures or something at the cinema, it would reward, reward me with a basis of anxiety and worry because the project hadn't been completed. So whichever um, choice I initially make, the universe will reward me no, no matter what. And I've always had to understand that the universe is working with whatever choice I make instead of its own individual um, agenda because the, I don't believe that the universe cares for you in a sense I believe that the universe gives you what you need in that moment and if you really to act on them choices in the correct manner then that will give you the the right insight into your mind what you need at that time so I believe it's all down to your own individual acknowledgement of the choice that you've been given I think I might be wrong. I might be completely. Oh, I wouldn't wrong. say you're wrong. I'm. I would. I would just say that I think you know from my personal experience that I think the universe is always looking for the best outcome for all of us. Yeah. And we use our own free will to sometimes get in our own way. Um, it's never the universe that's in crisis. It's always us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so therefore, I think it's it's really accepting that okay yes this has been brought into my life there's a reason for this no doubt the universe has asked me to look at this sometimes we look away because 
We don't know what to do. There's fear that's coming up. And that fear, like Buddhist philosophy talks about when it talks about this being the illusion, not referring to this level of reality as being the illusion. This is very real to our five senses. It's very real to this level of our being. What is being referred to as the illusion is fear because fear creates the illusion there is no love, there is no support, there is no choice, there is no direction here, there is no plan, there is no meaning. Fear creates that illusion. Mm -hmm. And it's learning to, to be able to prioritize love in that moment to make that shift away from fear to love so we can see the reality, the ever-present reality of love to where we can then see there is another choice to where we can see that there actually is meaning, where we can see that there is love. It's just learning to prioritize. And a lot of times, you know, we don't realize that the energy of fear and love, both those energies, neither one of them are passive energies. Mm -hmm. they, they will grip us if we allow it. Yeah. And, and it's just learning, what do I want to be gripped with in this moment, by fear or by love? Yeah. That's something I really, um, it's been my, like my Bible for the last um, two months, and it's called uh, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. I don't know if you've heard it. It's been no. second in Audible um, for the last few months, and it's, it's been my Bible. And basically, it's, it's talking about um, the attention that we give to things, um, how much they play on us, and it's how much are you willing to let something be in your life and be the, play an impact in your life because fundamentally it's everything that we have, everything that we attach our love to or here to, that inevitably becomes our owner. It becomes our um, guide and we base our decisions off the love and hate of something what is fundamentally something what we've given energy to, uh, the attachment to. So he's, estim he's estimating, he's indicating in his book, he's seeing the attachments that we have You've got to um, let go. You've got to let go of these negative attachments, such as um, the fear of like your body. See, if someone's like really anxious about going to the gym, they have to dis they have to dis um, detach themselves from the identity of what they've created. And this is what um, well, I think a lot of people still struggle with this whole the whole identity of the person you create. I was talking to you. Um, I've talked to your girlfriend Sky. Is she your wife? Uh, wife. Now, yes. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I was talking <laughs> yeah, to your wife Sky, and um, she was saying, <laughs> I was thinking, I looked at the ring there, I was thinking, <laughs> ring. Yeah. go with girlfriend. <laughs> but, um, so, and, she, and I was indicating this This is what it must feel like um, for a lot of people, like indicating them um, detaching themselves from the, their, their own identity. That's the most terrifying viewpoint because everyone bases them on their own identity and when you finally switch from that identity mode that you're currently holding you become something unknown unknown to not just everyone else but to you, you yourself because you're separating yourself from this identity say say if i was going to go through um a relationship breakup or something like that i would attach myself because my identity's been in that relationship for so long people know me in that relationship they know us two together so they constantly understand that or that's them two together and all of a sudden that relationship's over that identity what you've attached yourself to is gone indicating there's a lot of anxiety and fear of what's going to be the next step yeah and that unknown is ultimately the fear that we truly hold see that's why in my in my i like that but in my life what i've noticed is how to overcome that what i've done is, is i've actually i'm somebody who definitely has multiple identities but I'm, i don't sort of I don't, what's the word? I don't transfix I don't 100% identify myself in one singular thing. So I'll have multiple things so that if one thing falls down in my life, the other forces that I've built up, like, because I like to see is sort of the things that we do in life is like the analogy of, say, like water, the way water flows. Like, if your water's flowing in one direction all the time, constantly, and like, like Chris said, if that gets blocked, then what are you going to do because your identity's gone? But for me in my life, I've sort of, I have multiple streams where, so say, if say if something is needs changing in one area, the other things that I'm doing in my life support the thing that needs to be changed because me, me, me energy will shi will be can shift from being in that secular thing to something else because I'm playing in everything. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah. And I think what you're both, you know, really saying here is that 
with attachment, I think like with most things, we can either have a fearful attachment or a loving attachment. Personally, I'm not afraid to be attached to something. It's just for me to be aware as, am I attached to this out of fear or am I attached to this out of love? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that can make all the difference. So in my relationship you know, with my wife, you know, it's every day waking up and of course we can get busy very quickly when we, when we wake up, but it's remembering you know, to honor this relationship. Mm-hmm. How do I honor this relationship? It's remembering the ways that my wife feels loved. It's remembering to take some quality time. It's remembering to prioritize that relationship. And, you know, this is my second marriage. My first marriage, you know, the, this, the knowledge that I have now, the wisdom that I have from the experiences that I've gained, you know, if I had all this then, that relationship would have endured. Just like I know this relationship with Sky will endure because I'm, I'm, I'm learning that there are subtle differences. There are lines. There are always lines. And it's, yeah. sometimes it's difficult to realize, you know, is this a line I cross? Is this a line where, I mean, sometimes we don't even know where boundary points are, but it's mm. the, more, the more we start to prioritize love, the more we do start to see, you know, what is needed in this moment, what the universe is asking us to, to do in this moment. And it's like with, if I go through life and all I'm in training myself with, like say for a soap opera as an example, if I'm just watching a soap opera every single day, what am I watching ultimately? What am I watching? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm literally being conditioned with that behavior, yeah. the behavior of contempt, the behavior of criticism, the behavior of defensiveness, you know, that kind of energy. And then, of course, we then might be, we might act surprised when, you know, our life basically mirrors that mm. because that's what we're learning from. So I think it's really important that, yeah, the, the book that, you know, the audio book that you're reading, you know, to surround ourselves with stuff that's going to help us see with love versus with fear. It makes such a huge difference. And I think ultimately this is what, you know, you're both talking about. You want to be able to see with your, with your spiritual eyes versus through the eyes of the ego, the, yeah. the fear mind. And that will serve your relationships. It will serve every area of your life because you realize that everything's interconnected. I can't go, I can't work doing a particular role and that not affect my personal life. My mm. personal life will affect yeah. my, my work. It's all interconnected. If I leave home upset with my wife, that is going to, in some way, affect how I interact with other people on that day. Yeah, mm-hmm. So it's really understanding that I don't think attachment in any way, sh- sh- I don't think attachment is ever the issue. I don't think, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that we make the issue, the issue, it's ultimately looking at what is this situation missing. Mm-hmm. In every case, the only thing that's missing where there is fear is unconditional love. That is the only thing ever missing. It's what we're withholding. It's what we're being, we're blocking from other people to give us, you know, because of that, again, that, that true illusion, which is the illusion of fear that says this person doesn't love me or, you know, I need to, um, withhold my love in this moment until that person behaves. That's never what the situation is asking for. It is literally always asking us to give the one thing that's ever, always ever missing. Yeah. But it's can, it can be hard. It can be really hard because we might be able to intellectualize this stuff. We can spiritualize this stuff. But life can still be hard because we're still learning. We're still developing our emotional muscles. We're still developing our spiritual muscles. Yeah. And of course, it's still going to be hard. But it, there's a price that we pay for doing nothing, though. Mm-hmm. There's a big price for doing nothing in, in around all this stuff, whether it's things that we're attached to. Suddenly, a relationship ends. And we might feel like, okay, my friends are now too attached to the idea of me being in a relationship or being with this particular person. And they're putting a lot of pressure on me to, you know, to make up or whatever else. And it's just like in those moments, what's really love is asking for is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. It's asking for, you know, stories to be witnessed, mm-hmm. pain to be, to be witnessed, for empathy to be able to come forward so that people can actually start to, to, to feel the support because a lot of us haven't built up the internal support. Yeah, yeah. We need external support. People matter to us. We matter to other people. Or the other way around. We have a lot of external support, but we have no inner, inner support. 
We don't know how to regulate our thoughts. We don't know how to regulate our feelings. We don't know how to, you know, un- get ungripped from fear of, you know, of an illusion that maybe, you know, literally, have you ever, there's a wonderful researcher called Brené Brown. Yeah, you know, really good. I think mm-hmm. we've talked about her, actually, or mentioned some of her stuff. And I will always refer back to her if I can, because I love teachers like her where they've gone into the depth of a particular area. And one of the areas that she's really researched a lot is that foreboding joy where we will literally suppress good feelings around stuff. And this is one of those things that literally... That's scary, isn't it? It it is scary. It's like we're constantly rehearsing things going wrong even when things are going well. And I think it's, it's it's for most people... We do this stuff. I do that, actually. And I'm I do this. Lie. Yeah, I do it. And it's, you know, it's recently my wife, Sky was in the U.S. for three weeks. And there's still this hurt part of me because I, I know it because it comes up. I, I think it was 12, 12 hours we went without communicating, even by text. And suddenly there was a part of me that was wondering, you know, came up a little voice, a little fearful voice. What if somebody flirted with her? Yeah. And you know what? If I would have let that thought go unchecked, if I wouldn't have had an active spiritual practice to shift away from that fear back into love, what would have happened? It would have just kept building up. It would have yeah. yeah, to the mm-hmm. point to when eventually when Sky did call me, what would I have done? I'd have given her like the third degree. I'd be like, um, oh, sorry, I haven't heard you from you in 12 hours, darling. Where were you last night? Yeah. You know? And then she would tell me, oh, I was out with friends. Oh, yeah. You know, what friends? Uh, men, women, you know? And you can yeah. just it's, feel it. It's interesting how we make, we make these stories up in our minds. We tell ourselves a narrative of something that hasn't even happened. You exactly. Crazy. That's the foreboding joy. Yeah. Where we're literally, we don't want to be blindsided. You know, so therefore there's a part of us saying, okay, if you don't want to be blindsided, then you've got to, you've got to repress these good feelings now. Mm-hmm. You've got to start storyboarding things going wrong. That way you can be on top of it when things do go wrong. Do you think we do that because of our own, our own sort of uh, preconceived fears and stuff like that? We do this because we've had some really poor role models yeah. in our lives. Yeah. Mm. My mom and dad didn't model this stuff to me to do it yeah. the right way. My, I could see my dad get you know, sort of jealous uh, when other men you know, just innocently would want to dance with her when they're out at a social or, you know, and, and it's really, if I see that in my own father, it's now, I've adopted that, it's mine. And, you know, people say things like, you know, my dad did this to me or whatever else, or, you know, my dad conditioned this in me. It's yeah. just like, well, no matter what your dad did then, no matter what my dad did, it's now mine. Yeah. I either take responsibility for it or I'm going to pass it on to my son. And then if he doesn't take responsibility, because it's now his, yeah you know, it's going to become his son, son's stuff. And so at some point we have to embrace this stuff. We have to look at this stuff and say, okay, look, I'm going to take responsibility exactly. for something that has been developed throughout my male ancestral yeah. line. I'm going to take responsibility for it. So wherever it came from, it doesn't matter where it came from. What matters is what you're doing right now in the moment. Yeah. Exactly. I think as well for me, one, one thing that I've dealt with a lot of things, whether it's relationships or whatever it is, is the understanding that you don't own anything. You don't, if it's your girlfriend, you don't own her. She can be, she has to, ultimately, like, because a lot of times you think that you own a certain person, like, if it's in a relationship, whatever it is, you think that you, that, like you said before, you, you, put, you put your identity in if that you, person. I don't think you can own external, but internally, I think you can. I think the only way to truly take control of who you are is through ownership of internal thoughts. I think there's a difference, though, between responsibility and control. There's a huge difference there. And yes, we do use fear to control people. Mm. And that's where you know, people you know, associate the ownership stuff. But I think ultimately, again, the freedom comes through responsibility. Taking responsibility for awkward feelings. Yeah. Taking responsibility for in this moment, do I need to be in my masculine or do I need to shift into, you know, uh, allowing my inner feminine to come out because my wife right now is in the masculine. Yeah. She's been out at work all day. She's in that directional mindset, which is very much the masculine. Yeah. And if I stay in the masculine, am I going to be able to handle that or are we going to compete with each other? If I can't handle it, I have to switch into my feminine and I have to have create literally a space for the masculine because if I want my wife back, yeah. I want her to shift back into her feminine, I have to literally create this this, you know, this, this loving space to where she has time to do that. But if I'm literally competing with her or if I'm in the fix-it mode because she's just, she's there and she's maybe just unloading. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She's unloading about her day. She's just venting. And if I go into the typical male 
sort of pattern that she's in, what am I going to be doing? I'm going to now try and solve her problems. And, and that literally, that's not what she needs. What she needs is to be reassured so she can shift, make that shift from the masculine back into the feminine, because ultimately she's home now. She's not Mm. working anymore. She wants to relax. She doesn't really want me to try and solve everything and keep her mind in that sort of directional mindset. She wants to soften. She wants to relax, but she needs me to take some responsibility here in that moment. Wow. She needs me to take responsibility because in the moment, maybe she's just feeling she needs to be reassured, you know, and this is the power of this stuff. It's realizing that, you know, sometimes we can be in the extreme of one energy or the extreme of another. And I'll keep using masculine and feminine as the example, because it's what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. We're men. Okay. We've, we're in men's bodies. We've come here to, 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 to literally master the masculine. Yeah but we still have the inner feminine. We need to realize when is it appropriate to make the shift from a masculine sort of energy to a feminine, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, experience, because that's sometimes what the situation calls for. The extremes can be fun and the extremes can serve a purpose, but like every spiritual tradition talks about, genuine spiritual teachings, it's balance. Mm If I'm in my extreme masculine all the time, there's no balance there. If I'm in the extreme feminine all the time, there's no balance there. You know, it's natural to make these shifts up and down that spectrum. And it's learning the more and more that to be transparent, what does this other person need right now? Mm -hmm. That's responsibility. I'm taking 100% responsibility for my relationship with my wife. Mm -hmm. And in the moments where I can't take responsibility because I'm in a little bit of a, you know, you know, I'm, I'm venting or I'm angry about something. My mm-hmm. wife, if she can then see what's happening, she'll take 100% responsibility yeah. for our relationship. It's no 50-50. That's, That's where a lot of us get hung up. We, we're like, oh, this person's letting the side down. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I've shown up with my 50%. It's like, what are on those days when that person can't show up yeah, at all? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're literally, if you look at this as like a, like a bank account, what happens when we get into the red, yeah. deep into the red, or an overdraft? How's it feel? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, just like the take away your mortgage. It's right? just all fear, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we're acting from a place of survival. And the moment you get back and even it's like one pound back into the black, you suddenly... You're going to spend in spree. Yeah, you're going to spend in spree. But it's because suddenly you feel safer again. Mm-hmm. And it's realizing that that's how, you know, every relationship that we were involved in is operating, that somebody in this moment or this situation is probably in the red. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to help it get back into the black is if somebody literally gives... In that mm-hmm. moment, if I give understanding, my partner's come to the door, I have to understand, okay, she's only venting. She doesn't want me to fix any problems. She doesn't want me to intellectualize her feelings. She wants me to cherish her feelings. Ah, okay, so I'm understanding. I'm giving understanding. Mm-hmm. By giving understanding, it allows her to, to unload without me getting in the way. If, if, if I'm finding it difficult to sit with her pain, then I have, to, I have to understand that. Again, I'm giving understanding, and I'm giving it to myself too. Oh, wow, what she's saying is triggering me. Okay, but right now, you know, she needs me to be the rock. So I need to maybe go into the masculine to be the rock mm-hmm. because maybe she's being like the wind. And if I'm the rock, is the rock going to move? No. No, <laughs> the mountain isn't going to move anywhere. The wind can just, whoosh, just blow all at once. And the moment that wind starts to, to come down, I can literally move back into a more balanced point. So at the moment, maybe the, the masculine, the energy was asking me for me to be more into the extreme of the, of the masculine to be that rock. So it's really, to me, it's, it's really learning to be transparent with every relationship. What does it, what's it calling for right now? Mm-hmm. What energy does it need from me right now? Does it need me to soften a little bit? Does it need me to stand up for somebody? That's brilliant, though. You know, that kind of stuff. We're not taught any of this stuff. How, how, how do you think someone could actually build that, that compass? So, like that, I mean, that comes from, obviously it comes from a lot of deep work, but how, how have you built that? How have you sort of, how do you embody the, the masculine but also embody the fem- feminine? By, through awareness. Yeah, through awareness. By literally being present. Yeah. Mm. And that in itself is a practice, is it not? Yeah. We have to learn to be more present in our bodies. But this is just it. The more present I become... I can start to be more aware of what this situation is asking me for right now. Mm-hmm. Does it look like my wife is about to burst into tears? Yeah. And if so, 
what energy does that require from me? What is it? What's, what's, what am I being asked to give right now? And this is part of the issue as well for a lot of us. We've literally got into state. Look at society. Most people that walk through our door for our mind spa, they're walking through that door feeling stressed, anxious, depressed, sleep deprived, jet lagged, whatever yeah. it is. We're right in the middle of the big financial district of London. Yeah. So people are going to feel that stuff. They walk through this door and they've probably for maybe the longest time not actually allowed themselves to receive. Receive love in the form of compassion, kindness. We're not just talking about receive, you know, um, finances, receive, you know, everyday material stuff. Mm -hmm. We're talking about what genuinely we need more than anything else is to feel other people's love. For them to feel our love. And so awareness, you know, um, presence is a really big part of this. If I'm, if I'm literally stuck in my head, yeah. when you're telling me, you know, a story and you need me to witness your story, you need me to really hear you. You don't want me to, again, intellectualize yeah. this stuff. You're in that point to where you're asking me to be in that energy of witnessing. And if, if I don't do that, if I'm in my head, and I'm storyboarding. Oh my God, is what he's really saying is, is it me? Am I? And it's nothing about me. You're literally just sharing something yeah. that I'm making about me because I don't know how to sit with your pain because I'm in my head versus being vulnerable with you. Mm. So all of this stuff, this is why I refer to people like, um, you know, Marion Williamson or Bernie Brown. These are people I've learned from. These are, you know, some of my most valued teachers. Mm -hmm. And I think this is another thing we see in society. People are calling themselves, you know, oh, I'm self-made, you know. So I I think we genuinely, it hurts other people by not really being honest with people. I've got teachers. I wasn't born, you know, with all this information. You know, I had to learn this stuff. Mm -hmm. I learned this stuff because I prioritized love where in moments there was fear. And in those moments, it was calling for me to, like a great example, when Sky and I met, up until that time, I had learned, learned so many things spiritually. I'd read so many spiritual books, like, you know, self-help spiritual books, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But was I really developing relationship-wise? No, I wasn't. Mm-hmm. When Sky and I came together, this is when we really started as, as a couple to learn about relationships. Yeah. And we developed, you know, into a very strong couple to where we do understand each other more. She understands my love languages. I understand her love languages. You know, again, I'm referring to, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. Yeah, it's really, Please, really if you're out book. there and you're hearing this podcast and you're hearing these ideas, there are, there are other authors or yeah. other teachers behind a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my, my specialist areas, I love synchronicity. I love talking about out-of-body experiences. But this kind of stuff, Needs if to be I heard. want more out-of-body experiences... I need to realize that it's interconnected to other, every yeah, other area of every my life. Aspect's connected. You know, if there's an area I'm fearful within my practice, it will reflect in other areas of my life because it's all interconnected. So I, I must prioritize love in these moments where I feel fear. If I don't understand something, then I have to seek help. I have to be vulnerable enough to speak up and say, look, I actually need help. Who can I find to help me with this? Yeah. I think that's an absolute great point there, Todd. My mic drop. Boom. <laughs> so I think, I think we'll wrap that up there. Yeah, obviously. brilliant. Wow. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Todd is always such a wealth of knowledge, and it's always great to be in his company and just dive into his mind. And me and Chris both had such a great time chatting with Todd from our time in London. And if this, and if this podcast is an important part of your consciousness and week and you're getting some value or entertainment or whatever would really just appreciate it if you could check out our patreon page and support the podcast through that and once you become a patron would also love to see you in the private facebook group that we have going on we have a little great community going on in there now and me and chris are also as well going to be at the glastonbury symbiosum next week which is basically a conscious festival and we're also going to be doing several podcasts there with some of the speakers. And if you're interested in that, there'll be a link in the show notes at the Ascend Podcast website to more information about the festival and how you can get there. So anyway, we love you all and we'll catch you next week where we have another amazing episode. As always, peace and love. Peace and love.